0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. Join us as we present our new seven-part series with our fantastic partner, E&J Gallo Winery. We are proud to present this series of interviews, diving deep into the heritage and legacy of their portfolio of excellent Italian producers, in the run-up to the launch of the new brand identity for their importer, which will be shared on March 16th, in an episode with Maria Elisa Allegrini. Tune in every Saturday from March 5th through to April 16th as we take an intimate look at these respected historic producers and their role as part of the Gallo family of luxury wines. And remember to check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for incredible video content featuring a visit to Argiano.
1: I'm so excited to be here today with Giuseppe Tornatore to kick off this series of conversations with Italian winemakers in the Gallo luxury portfolio. Welcome Giuseppe. Hi, hi Sara. How are you? I'm doing so great, thank you. Um, I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'd love to just jump right in with a question about what you think makes Etna so special. So as a wine-growing region, but just for you personally.
2: Okay, so as you know, Etna, I know that you are a, a fan of Etna. So, But uh, first of all, for, of course, Etna is uh, quite a unique place. It's beautiful. It's a magical place because it's uh, is the actually is the highest uh, active volcano in Europe, and uh, it's uh, characterized by really fertile volcanic soil, very full in micro elements like uh, iron, uh, magnesium, potassium, let's say it's something uh, that, uh, it's a place that when you, I usually travel a lot for my, my business, and when I, I come back to Etna. Uh, there is always a kind of sense of uh, astonishment because uh, it's uh, it's a place like unique in the world. You can ski in the morning and in the afternoon you can go on the beach. So it's something really unique. Then, uh, regarding uh, what we are tonight talking about is uh, you know the wine. The exposure uh, to the sun uh, it's uh, in in the north part uh, where in the north part of Etna where we are is. Uh, is really unique, and uh, uh, let's say uh, there are very huge, remarkable thermal excursion between day and night. So uh, it's a really unique uh, terroir, and we are we are in love with it.
1: Yeah, I think it's really one of the most striking places I've ever traveled to. You have kind of big black boulders of recent lava flows next to beautiful vineyards and olive trees and chestnuts, and then. Sometimes there's a smoking top at the smoking summit at the top, so it's it's yeah. a crazy place to grow wine.
2: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really when I when I when I talk to people and say that we grow wine on an um, active volcano, they, they look at me like oh, you are crazy. But it's 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 right. But um, so this is the, the magic of the, of Etna. It's uh, we have just one Etna in the world, so and we are really lucky to be there. So and we we. We try to do our best to to make everything perfect uh, to try to do everything perfect to not to waste what uh, nature gave us so this is very important for us
1: well let with that let's dive a little bit into your family's history there there's been an explosion of activity on etna in the last 30 years and a lot of investment from both local and outside investors uh, and wineries but your family's been there for a long time so can you let us know Kind of what you think sets Tornatore apart?
2: Yes, yes. I think that the most important point is that the deep connection uh, to the region uh, is what uh, sets Tornatore apart. My family is originally from uh, Etna, especially from uh, Castiglione di Sicilia, that is situated in the northern side of the volcano. Uh, According to um, the historical uh, archives, uh, the Tornatore family has been present uh, in Cassiglione di Sicilia since 1600. So this is something uh, quite unique because most of the actual Etna producers are coming from from other places. So this is not uh, obvious, let's say. Actually, my great-grandfather helped to draw up the lines of the Contrade and at the end of the 1800, the start of 1900. This gave uh, to, to my family, to Tornatore family, a great uh, advantage in choosing to plant vineyards in the best Contradas. So I think this is, uh, and then there is, uh, I think these two points are very important.
1: Well, let's, um, for anyone who isn't quite as familiar with Aetna, um, and actually, you know, just, this, this Italian term generally, let's talk a little bit more about what the Contrade are, because, you know, your, your great grandfather helped draw them for a reason beyond just viticulture, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Contrade are politically, let's say, political territories uh, that uh, since been appropriated for the crew system of Etna, And each Contrada boasts, um, let's say, a unique volcanic soil due to um, the the, the stratification of several lava flows of different times. And the consequently different minerals concentration on the ground makes uh, every, let's say, every plot different from the other. And also important diversity is played by the changes in altitude and exposure to the sun.
1: Yeah, I think the changes in altitude are really extreme. You see them sort of on a on a printed flat piece of paper or on your screen. You're like, oh, that's not so far. But you can yeah. really, you know, change 200 meters dramatically just by driving up a single road. I don't recommend running. It's not <laughs> the best yeah. activity there. Yeah. You have to be um, well-trained. <laughs> Oh, we goodness, I know, <laughs> as... <laughs> but it's also interesting, the first time I went and I was looking for an address just to see, you know, you're, you need to go to Guardiola. So it, it feels like everyone who's local knows what that means, uh, because it can be also for the post office or for all these other things. And then it also makes sense for wine, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. something that uh, is uh, distinguishing, let's say, Etna from other places. It's uh, it's a little bit close to what they have in France, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think Burgundy is a great example there because you have, you know, a lot of people might own vineyards within a single Contrada, right?
2: Yes, yes, correct. Well,
1: let's jump back to your family and your family's history in the region. It really sounds like your father, Francesco, was the one who really spearheaded getting, you know, today's winery project up and running. Uh, So I'd love for you to kind of tell me about him and what inspired him.
2: Yeah, let's say my father Francesco I, I would say that he's really the soul of our vineyards of our estate of our uh, company unfortunately he doesn't speak English very well so I'm trying to to tell what he would say. So You're doing great. <laughs> so, so told me my father was born in Castiglione di Sicilia, that is uh, in the northern eastern part uh, slope of, uh, of Etna. Due to, let's say, limited uh, economic opportunities, he had to leave to make uh, his, uh, his fortune elsewhere starting a business in telecommunication. But uh, he never forget his country. And he had always had uh, the countryside uh, at heart. You know, etna now is, is quite common in the world, but like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, wasn't very popular like now. And so, my, my family owned these uh, these lands. They they used to to grow etna uh, olive vineyard, of course, but the you no know, the dimension and the quality of what they they produce couldn't be the only way of, uh, couldn't guarantee a good, uh, you know, status of life. So he had to, to live and start a new, uh, and, and, and follow another, uh, another way, another business. But he never forget his territory, he never forget his, uh, his land, and when he had the opportunity, he came back and, uh, and started what his, uh, was in his heart and what he really wanted to do. That was starting this, uh, this, uh, you know, this this company, this estate.
1: Well, I think your comment about you know so many people having to leave and find fortune elsewhere was really the driving story of Etna until only very recently. And so, uh, it makes a lot of sense that he kept it with him as he as he went away and kept doing the the agriculture and viticulture. Can you tell me yeah. a little bit more? about sort of your family's history in the vineyards? Because even though the winery itself is a little bit more recent, you were just mentioning yeah. always kind of working with hazelnuts and vines, and you had an old palmento. How has yeah. that kind of changed over the years?
2: Yeah, uh, in the old times, you know, around the early nineteen hundred, my grandfather used to sell mostly bulk wine. Bulk wine, uh, olive oil, and hazelnuts. But uh, starting in the 70s, my father decided to to stop producing bulk wine and started selling the grapes to the other producer. At the beginning, uh, so the estate was made initially from just from vineyards that uh, belonged to my family, uh, handed down, uh, let's say, through generations. In the early 90s, my father Francesco. Due even to the success that he had in uh, in the main business, luckily we had we had uh, we had success on the business on our like let's say main business. in The other business, the telecommunication business, began began to to enlarge the state uh, through several acquisitions, always in the same area of Castiglione, always in the same area of Castiglione, because it was very linked to, to to his village that is Castiglione di So this is the reason why we are all our parcels, or our uh, contradas are based in, uh, um, let's say in the municipality of Castiglione di Sicilia.
1: Yeah, I want to I talk about that more in a little bit because I think that's a real uh, unique point. Um, but I first want to just talk about you as a kid. Do you remember being in the vineyards and have you seen sort of the same people be involved with your family operation for, for a long time?
2: Yeah, yeah. For me, it was a little bit like a nightmare going to the vineyard when I was a kid because you know, <laughs> uh, six years old kid that has to spend all these uh, Sundays uh, in the vineyards wasn't so so nice for me. Now I appreciate a lot, but when you are, you know, when you are a kid, you you want to go to to other places, of course. But uh, I even remember some of the people that are still working with us, picking grapes, uh, on those times. So, uh, and I have even other nice memories of the past. I remember when, uh, once me and my father slept in the palmento during the harvest because they were a little bit afraid that someone uh, could ca- come and steal the grapes uh, so it was something that was, I, I still keep in my well locked in my memory remember another nice episode that my mother is always telling uh, people uh, I, I was like uh, six months old she was uh, she held me in her arms and she fell on the floor she fell on the uh, she fell on the, on the floor and on the, on the ground. She, they were in Trimarchisa Contrada. And so she said, I'd never come back again in this place. And now we are in.
1: <laughs> she didn't <laughs> get now, her way.
2: And now Trimarchisa is in uh, top 129 wine uh, of Italy. So it's so something that makes me laugh when I remember it.
1: Well, maybe you got the bad luck out of the way early.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I beat my head. So now I'm a little bit. <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, all the different vineyards that you have, like Trimarquisa. Your family, you said, has sort of started in Castiglione di Sicilia. So for those who haven't known, that's kind of the, the main, largest village that that is on the northern side of the volcano, a little bit lower down in elevation. So when you talk about that, there's a lot of different Contrare and even smaller towns like Solicchiata that are, that are part of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we so own, you... uh, go ahead. Yeah,
2: as you said, Castiglione is the largest village in the, in the northeast part of of, uh, of Etna and we own uh, our estate is uh, quite quite large. Maybe it's one of the bigger, I don't know exactly, but is for sure is one of the bigger in uh, in the northeast part of Etna, we own uh, roughly 110 hectares uh, of land, and uh, 65 are uh, Etna D.O.C. That is, uh, is quite a lot if you consider that all the Etna D.O.C. is uh, roughly 1,000 hectares. So we have almost 8% of all the production and uh, on the Etna, there are more, more than 120 producers so this is uh, this is quite a lot and another key point is that all the um, all the vineyards are planted just with indigenous varieties. Nerello Mascalese, Nerello Cappuccio for reds, Carricante and Cataratto for for whites. The elevation is uh, between 450 meters and 700 meters.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, um, you know, that you've stayed around that area. It actually does mean that you end up having most of your vineyards as DOC, even though there are vineyards up to 3000 feet, but um, you know, it sounded like there were some family memories yeah. of why yeah, you didn't yeah, purchase yeah. so high. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, yeah. We, we, this is something like an internal fight between me and my father because, you know, now there are many producers that are producing wine at uh, 3,000 feet. My father, due especially to family, let's say family heritage, because my grandfather, my nonno, used to say that in the upper vineyards, uh, not uh, ripening. So, you know, due, maybe due to the climatic uh, change, uh, the heating, global heating, I don't know why now, they are, they are ripening uh, in on, the, on those places. So my father never wanted to buy lands uh, over 700 meters. But you have to consider too that uh, Trimarchisa, that is actually our, one of our best wine, the wine that uh, was uh, awarded by Wine Spectator, is uh, located at around 450 meters. So it's quite low compared to the Etna standards.
1: Well, you also gave the sacrifice as a young child, so that's why. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Now it's the best, yes. Yeah, I mean, 450 meters in the grand scheme is still quite high, but for for Etna, it's on the lower side, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for Etna, it's on the lower side, because Etna is between, uh, let's say, 400 and 800 mainly.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it changes a little bit, you know, as you go around, but it's interesting that on the north, you're contained right within it. So you were talking a little bit about all of the indigenous grapes that you have planted, Narello Mascalese being kind of the leading red wine. But were you always planning to keep them? Because I know some of the trends, you know, back in the nineties were to pull these vines. You know, why did you why did you keep these?
2: Yeah, yeah. In fact, this was the trend was to to plant especially, you know, Merlot, Cabernet, international variety. And we had uh, an advisor that was, uh, I remember, see remember, we were in Tuscany. I, w- I won't, I will not tell you the name of the guy, but uh, it's quite, quite famous. He suggested us to to pulling these vines and planting uh, grapes like Cabernet and Merlot. You know, Etna was uh, wasn't. The that we everybody knows today is, a, as, I, as I said before, it was a completely different places and the, the wines were completely different too because, uh, you know, there were not so much... Uh, technique uh, professional people working on, uh, on the terroir and so but my father was very tough with the guy and so i told him no no, no i don't want to pull, uh, pull the vines i want to keep on uh, producing in, in indigenous uh, varieties because etna is unique in the world and, uh, and so he decided to to keep on producing nerello mascalese and uh, and, Caricante. and uh, his choice was uh, was really the best choice
1: It was a good one in the long run. (laughs) Yeah, in the long run was the
2: best choice at all. Even, uh, you know, to preserve a little bit like some uh, romantic view of uh, our nonno's memories. I don't know how to say, the heritage, the legacy of the family. So I think that we were lucky. My father was very... I don't, know, uh, I don't know what to say, he was very convinced to keep on, on in his uh, own path without uh, following these, these advisors and these people that, even smart people that started producing international varieties on Etna.
1: Well, and exactly, I think it's everything you said, You know, he was invested in this place emotionally for the memory and the history, you know? it wasn't just to make money, right? It was just to yeah, be, yeah. The- be on Etna.
2: Yeah, this is a very important point because you know this is uh, something that uh, maybe uh, I didn't say before, but uh, you know, the, this, no shortcuts. We didn't we didn't follow any shortcut to to get uh, to the point. We just want to follow to follow. We invested a lot of money on, um, without any return at the beginning. No stress for the immediate uh, result. Uh, because uh, luckily we had uh, the opportunity to to have our own business in another, as I said before, in another business, so we didn't have to have the return immediately. So this helped the the, the starting a lot of the of the state of the business of the wine business because we didn't have the stress to get the result immediately. This is quite important in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like you know it was just kind of a long methodical process. So you were. Invested on Etna, there for many generations, working in the vineyards. I know we're gonna taste together a little bit later. So you actually did start a winery and selling your own wines. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened when the winery was built and your first harvest?
2: Yes, the winery was built uh, because my father, uh, at a certain point, decided to stop selling the grapes to the others because, you know, the the big of the work was in the land. So we wanted to see the final result. That was the reason why we decided at a certain point to start our, our own winery. And even that choice was a good choice. Uh, so it was around uh, 2012, 2013. Uh, and the first harvest actually was uh, 2014. That was uh, a great vintage on Etna to start. Uh, 14 was uh, an awful vintage uh, everywhere, but in you know, Etna was one of the best.
1: I know, it's so delicious. I I, yeah, um, cool. I remember being there on that harvest as well, and it was just perfect conditions all year. So anyone who thinks Italian wines in 14 were not good, go to Etna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 Auspicious agree. start. Um, So you started with that first vintage, and now how many wines are you making?
2: Today, we produce 10 wines, all from our vineyards. Of course, the grapes are coming 100% from our vineyards, so we don't buy any any grapes. Uh, We produce two sparkling wines, uh, Charmant Method, both from Monerello Mascalese, Uh, one uh, still Rosé wine, uh, three white wines uh, that are Etna Bianco, Pietrarizzo Etna Bianco, Zottorinotto Etna Bianco. And each of these wines embody the sense of volcanic soil, uh, and the unique characteristic of the single of the different single vineyard terroir. And then we produce four red wines that are the Etna Rosso, the Pietrarizzo Etna Rosso, Trimarchisa Etna Rosso and Etna Rosso Riserva.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's an interesting thing because you didn't you didn't stray from your philosophy of keeping it to the family uh, roots and domain by going and investing on the east where it would be the Superiore for the etna bianco, right? You just yeah. you're working with the grapes that you have in your vineyards where you where your family's from.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is the key point, and this is what we are trying to to follow is our philosophy. Let's say. Uh, and even each wine is aged in in, uh, in its own way. Uh, we we have big barrels for reds, steel tank, uh, barriques, uh, barrel for white, uh, and then we have a concrete tank uh, for aging, uh, pre-bottling, uh, maturation of, uh, of 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 the reds.
1: I love I love the return of concrete. I think especially for. Volcanic soils, you know. There's there's some things that you know, whether it's it's technical or just you know the the beauty of the mystery. It, it for me really enhances that minerality, yeah, yeah. which is what we love about Etna, right? Yeah,
2: we 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 believe a lot in concrete tank, so we we have uh, we have plenty of those, and even the minerality, uh, you know, that gave to the wine. Uh, it's uh, it's quite unique. So we are investing a lot. We are bought uh, a lot of those uh, those those, those tanks
1: well let's uh maybe move to the wine that you and i are sharing across the ocean um we have for listeners the 2017 contrada Pietrarizzo. so i poured it about a half hour ago and it's been fun to sniff on and and watch open up while we've been talking but um can you maybe just start by telling me a little bit about this Contrada before we, you know, talk about the widening?
2: Yeah, uh, Contrada Pietarizzo is located between uh, 680 meters and 700 meters. Uh, in the tallest part of the Contrada, we have uh, the Caricante, the white Caricante, and a little bit of Cataratto. Uh, in the lower part, we have the Nerello Mascalese. Uh, so the terrace, the terrace of uh, 600, 680, meters, uh, is uh, all Nerello Mascalese. From that terrace is uh, uh, coming the grapes that are using for Pietrarizzo Etna Rosso. Uh, the vines are, uh, let's say, around 20 years old. You know, the, the feature of the soil is that it's very rocky, volcanic, and uh, the Contrada is very windy. So it means that. Uh, you know we don't use uh, a lot of chemicals. We don't use anything because the the you know the the soil is very dry, and uh, and we produce around 19,000 uh, 19,000 uh, 19, bottles.
1: Yeah, bottles, not cases, right? Oh, still but- not a lot of wine. <laughs> no,
2: yeah, sorry, but...
1: no, 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 it's good. I um, I love that about Etna. That really, there's not a lot of need for intervention. It's just a, a pretty healthy growing environment. Mold and mildew, not, not big issues, especially yeah, yeah, with yeah, that absolutely. wind.
2: Yes, it's very healthy. And Pietrizzo is very, very windy. It's super windy. So it's uh, it's one of the windiest places I've ever seen on Etna, actually.
1: And that's saying a lot, because the the north, we didn't really talk about this before, but the north, you know, is a bit of a wind tunnel, right? So you've got the um, mountain range that it faces, the Peloritani, that, you know, the wind is coming off of the ocean. And I find the north generally to be windy. So it's good, it's, um, it's great for this Contrada to have that extra it's hard on the grapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but
2: good for extra, the wine. Extra wind, I prefer on the sea wind because I like kite surfing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do kite surfing on it, unfortunately, so. No,
1: but you can you can drive down to, to the beach. Yeah,
2: yeah, minutes, yeah. Right? <laughs> but on the beach is not windy. It's always wind just in Pietrarizzo. Oh, anyway, well. we are joking, <laughs> but it's a very, it's a very unique place because you see Castiglione di Sicilia on the, on the right. You see Etna on the back, and uh, it's a magical place. It's really a magical place. Everybody, all the visitors that we have that are coming to Pietrarizzo and, uh, and visit this contrada, they, and the, astonishment on their faces is, uh, is unbelievable, really
1: and you have about you know you said they're about 20 years old are they all sort of kind of the alberello style planting or
2: no no we are more modern uh, style
1: great that protects
2: them yeah they are modern style Uh, yes this is something that we it's another way that we 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 followed since the beginning and uh, is is giving us great results right now Uh, to produce this wine we so we harvest uh, by hand the Nerello Mascalese from this uh, from this vineyard. Uh, we destem and lightly press the grapes. Then we the, do. You want me to go on through the winemaking? No, process, I think I think or? it's
1: I think it's great. The only thing I was gonna just translate for anyone in America is that six hundred eighty meters, just so you know, is about two thousand two hundred fifty feet. So. It's, it's still quite up there, it's part of that windiness. But yeah, talk about talk about the Contrada, how you make it. Uh, it's one of your top bottlings, so I think you handle it pretty specially.
2: Yeah, yeah, we handle it really specially because it's, uh, it's one of my favorite. I like all our wines, but this is uh, something, it's a little bit more special, it's special, it's so, uh, something different. It's a completely different wine, in my opinion. Mm, anyway, it, Tell you how we, we produce this wine. We harvest uh, of course by hand the Nerello Mascalese, uh, we just turn and uh, as I said before, we lightly, gently press the grapes. Uh, then the maceration is lasting around uh, 10 12 days in cement tank. And after we, we separate the wine from the skin using a press, and we press the, the wine in a big French oak barrel for at least one year. Uh, they are big, we, this is another philosophy, we use a big barrel, we don't use, a, we have some barrique, but we mostly use a big big uh, French oak barrel. Uh, after the aging, uh, before battling, we, we, we do another passage in, uh, in the cement tank, the one you love, <laughs> for some months, <laughs> at least uh, around uh, four to five months in cement tank and then uh, up to roughly six to seven months in bottles.
1: Yeah, I I do like that passage back in cement tank. (laughs) We talked a little bit about that minerality, but that's part of of what makes Etna, all those volcanic soils so special. So I love that you're trying to enhance that where you can. Um, You said that this was a really special wine and one of your favorites. Before we talk about vintage, why do you love it so much?
2: But I love it because it's, uh, let's say, it's, uh, you know, the mint. I think the mint is the most, uh, the, 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 the menthol, yeah. the, the balsamic uh, that you can find in this wine is quite unique. Uh, it's something that they can recognize this one among uh, many others. Uh, the drinkability. Uh, Maybe because I know where this this wine is coming from, so my mind is a little bit a little bit like, uh, you know, in, in love before starting to, to, to drink the wine, because I, lo- I love the place where the, the grapes are coming from. But, you know, the, the balsamic notes and uh, and uh, the team, uh, uh, time, I don't know, time or team, I don't know how to say it. <laughs>
1: time in English, Timo in Italian. Time, we'll
2: yes, Timo, the Timo, the, the time. <laughs> Uh, the the mint that you can uh, the mint that you can uh, can feel when you drink this wine is uh, quite unique. So these are the reason why I mostly love this wine.
1: Well, uh, and I, I think I think you're right. You can it's those are they're in the air. You know, depending on where you are, stronger, less strong. But that mint on Etna is so strong in certain places. Yeah, so
2: yeah, yeah. And this in this place, most uh, like the wind is uh, super strong. So.
1: Uh, it whips
2: it it's up. That, yeah, it's something that really, I really love. And even the 17, uh, the vintage 17, that was the one that we are talking about, is uh, something that I still remember. Because in August 17, uh, my, my son Francesco was born. So oh. I remember very well that, uh, <laughs> that, that vintage. I remember really, really well, well that vintage. Your
1: poor wife, it was uh, so hot in August.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember because we were... Uh, My wife was pregnant and was super hot. He was born on 18th of August. So we, let's say we lost the summer for a good reason, of course, but (laughs) it was super hot. So I still remember that this was one of the hottest summer we had. Uh, That that, that was, of course, uh, linked to the maturation of the grapes. That was amazing. But after that, I remember that after the harvest of the white, uh, the the, the climate changed uh, immediately. And, uh, and started like uh, to like, like light rain and cool temperature. Uh, so it kind of
1: refreshed the wine at the end of the, yeah, the hot season.
2: The, yeah, it refreshed the, the, you know, the thermal excursion uh, during this uh, ripening period, uh, maybe gave this excellent uh, uh, development of the bunches and uh, arrived in the harvest uh, like perfectly healthy and ripe, everything. So uh, this gave uh, to this vintage in particular a really complex uh, character, uh, a great elegance uh, and an extraordinary balance, uh, now nose and mouth. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I agree, I'm, I'm tasting it as you're talking and you know, you get that rich, fruit concentration from the heat on the middle of the palate but it finishes super light super dry super fresh it's really a yeah. drinkability factor I, I liked that yeah. word <laughs> yeah the
2: drinkability yes yes uh, we, we we drink a lot of this wine unfortunately, <laughs> now now I'm on a diet uh, I'm uh, starting like a uh, two weeks without alcohol unfortunately oh no so, I don't have a glass of wine in front of me right now, so I have just a glass of water, unfortunately. Oh, but wow. <laughs> I, I, I love this wine. Even the rosemary that you can, can feel, uh, ripe fruit, uh, mint, as I said before, thyme. And so it's very complex uh, wine and very uh, even the, not so the, 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 the elegant tannin and the persistence of this wine in the mouth that is uh, is really long is, yeah. is, 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 is lasting a lot uh, lo- a lot in, in mouth
1: I can attest uh, it 's lasting while you 're talking it's um, yeah. I think the elegant tannins are, are a great point you know it's norella mascalese we know is such a tannic variety it 's why you do all this work in the in the winery to to calm those tannins down. Drinking Norello en primer or really young out of tank can really <laughs> dry yeah. your palate, but I like the balance of the kind of slightly softened tannin and the, the ripe red cherry fruit here. It's almost like a black cherry uh, for this yeah. vintage. It's really yummy.
2: Yeah, and uh, then another great uh, feature of this wine, of the Say, most of the Etna red wines is the that you can pair this wine with a different kind of food. You can grow from with everything. From, uh, with everything. <laughs> I remember I had uh, like a testing in Miami in a Thai restaurant, and when I first arrived, I was, I was a little bit shocked. They say, Why? Usually, when I go to Thai restaurant, I drink beer or drink. These kind of things, but they they paired the, you know, the Thai food with uh, Etna Ross and it was really perfect because you can it's a, look it, it's like a, let's say a sommelier dream because they can suggest this wine almost with everything starting from the of course steak uh, to meat uh, uh, and everything like that my mom's uh, macaroni with with sugo Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, you probably for sure you know because you you, you are love, you are in love with that so you know this uh, <laughs> like sauce of uh, with with the handmade macaroni but you can uh, you can uh, drink this wine with with seafood with sword uh, yeah. swordfish with um, many 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 different dishes so yeah this is I, a, think... I think this is, i think this is a, a key one of the reasons of the success of ethan in the world because uh, it's uh, like a like really elegant wine that you can uh, you can really pair you can really drink with almost everything
1: well and you can think about it as you know everyone says you know what grows together goes together you know you've got the Black pig of the Nebrudi over there, so pork yeah. is perfect. You've got yeah, the yeah. ocean there with the tuna and the swordfish yeah. with those kind yeah. of heavier fish. It's it's. And good with some vegetarian things, too. I like it with some eggplant. Um, yeah. And you, should try, you, should try, you should try my
2: mother's caponata that is quite famous. Oh, I will. Uh,
1: I will Among I will Gallo, come. Among Gallo
2: <laughs> managers, they love it.
1: <laughs>
2: Perfect. Choose, Next time I'm Maybe there. they choose Tornatore because of my mom's caponata. We're always joking about that because they... I remember Joe Gallo came to that and My mother was cooking, was cooking this caponata. It's really amazing. It's really fantastic, and he was, he fell immediately in love with tornatore no I'm joking it wasn't, wasn't because of coconuts, I, I think
1: you know but, you, you uh... could include a recipe in a shipment here and there and people might might buy yeah, some yeah, more yeah
2: but you know you have this food and drug I don't know why I don't know how to ship it
1: no <laughs> just I the can... recipe just the recipe we'll come ah, to the you recipe, for yeah, the... <laughs> yeah. maybe I can carry
2: my mom with me next trip and so we she will uh, make some like a kind of show cooking showing I... how she she does it but she it's, it's, she... it's really something Amazing,
1: she'd be a hit, a total hit. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think we we've talked a lot about you know everything from your winemaking philosophy. You know, I think what makes what makes it so special is really that you are so focused within the DOC on the on the north. For those that you know aren't into all of the Italian legislation. We've talked about this a bit, but it really does mean under 800 meters. So that 450 to 700 meters where the Tornatore vineyards are puts them squarely in the middle of it all. You know, I, I love the story about your nonno remembering that grapes weren't ripening up there and not and being a driving reason of not not investing further north. It's maybe my favorite little story we we said today.
2: <laughs> okay. So I'm very happy to to speak with you and to tell you a little bit about uh, the family. But uh, you know uh, what we we saw in the past is that when uh, when you talk about our estate, our vineyards, yes, people uh, they like it. But when they visit our vineyard, they, they fall in love. They fall in love with it. So this is something uh, quite unique that is, is very difficult to explain by words. You should uh, should definitely come and visit. We have even uh, like a small uh, resort with uh, rooms to, um, to host people uh, so we are we are 100 in the business but believe me it's not just for business not for business but it, yeah of course there is a business reason behind all our what we are doing but there is a passion passion is everywhere starting from my mom's caponata ending to the last uh, worker that we have uh, in the land
1: No, i think that comes through and everything you know it's um and i agree everyone should book a ticket this should be the first place if you haven't traveled in a long time that you go to it's you've got to see it and smell it and taste it to really understand that and that's so special okay. well thank you giuseppe di nuovo thank you grazie. thank you <laughs> This was really exciting and, you know, I think we'll just say that our- we'll be continuing this series next week, same time, same virtual place uh, with Marilisa Allegrini, and a little reveal for the U.S. market. So with that, thank you all and hopefully see you next week. Ciao. Ciao a tutti. Ciao. Ciao.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of our new Gallo Luxury Wine Portfolio series. Tune in next Saturday for the next installment featuring another in-depth and intimate conversation with the Heritage Italian wine producers that form the core of the Gallo Italian wine family. To learn more about today's featured producer, see our show notes and visit their websites. Don't forget to subscribe and like our show and tune in to the Italian wine podcast wherever you get your pods.